Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out podcast. That was Life Cycles. The song was Death From Above. They are from the heart of Texas, San Antonio. And that track will appear on their new EP, Portal to the Unknown, coming out February 22nd on 1126 Records. That's their fourth EP, and it also happens to be forthcoming, I guess. It depends when you listen to this, though. San Antonio, what happens in San Antonio? Well, everybody knows, as long as you are a parishioner of the Church of Charles Barkley, that that is the home of bulbous women and a massive amount of churros, and those two things are related. Or you simply remember it for the Alamo. The decision is truly yours. But life cycles, whether you believe it or not, fucking rip. And that track, Death From Above, is great evidence of that. Again, that track will appear on Portal to the Unknown to be released February 22nd on 1126 Records. That's a healthy dose of crossover, of hardcore, of heavy metal. Call it whatever you want. Just enjoy it. Bang your head and live a little. But first, I want you to enjoy this episode of the podcast with Hatebreed drummer Matt Byrne. Who doesn't love Hatebreed? If you like Life Cycles, you like Hatebreed. If you like Hatebreed, you'll love Life Cycles. And if you already clicked on this podcast to listen to, I don't need to convince you to like Hatebreed. Hatebreed doesn't need to convince you to like Hatebreed. We'll talk a little bit about that. But hey, how about less of me, more of Hot Zone? And then we get into this show. Let's go. Check it. Hello, my loyal listeners of Getting It Out podcast, whether new or old. I'd like to let you take a peek behind the curtain here briefly and tell you a little bit about how Getting It Out podcast is done. I'm six or seven years in. I don't know how far. I think I've lost track. I know I started it 2018-ish. Maybe it was around when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, their only Super Bowl. Fond memories for me. And a few months later, I started incorporating interviews into the podcast with musicians. Obviously, you know what I do here by now. Early on, I had to seek those things out. I had to work the channels to make the connections to line up those conversations. And over the years, the roles have kind of reversed. People reach out to me, say, hey, will you talk to this person? I say yes or I say nothing. Typically, that's my responses. Some days, some weeks, some whatever, there is often a deluge of people requesting interviews. And hey, I just don't got the time. I try to fit them all in. You know, I talk about it here. I do them on my lunch breaks a couple times a week. I do them in the evening. Sometimes I'll even do them in the morning. This week, I'll be doing one on Sunday morning. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head. That didn't hurt. Chris Christopherson. Anyway, what I'm getting to is that every now and then I reach out to people on my own because it's a band that I love that I want to talk to, a band that uh, maybe I realize isn't so special to many other people, but they hold a special place in my heart. Or I just think they fucking rule and I don't want to have to go through all the channels to have a conversation. But sometimes. I am very willing to play the game to get the conversation that I want. And that was the case with Hatebreed. I decided I need to finally do a Hatebreed episode this year. So I reached out through the proper channels and lined one up. I didn't care who it was with, but I'm very happy it's with the extremely affable Matt Byrne. If you don't know who he is, he plays drums for Hatebreed. He's been in the band since, well, a few times, but really consistently since the Perseverance LP, which I might argue is my favorite Hatebreed record. Blah, blah, blah. Satisfaction is the death of desire. Okay, I get it. There's no need to litigate that right now. And the details of your debate will likely be 
light in the ass, as we say. Anyway, anybody with any affinity for hardcore knows about Hatebreed. Even the old guys tend to like it. Hatebreed has become like the HPV of the hardcore scene. It's in all of the bands. But in this case, we're happy it's there. The band, at least their earlier records, are universally loved by people in and outside the hardcore scene. And I, for one, and we'll talk about this with Matt, have loved the way they've blossomed into a real deal metal band. Much in the same way, we're also enthusiastic about how Turnstile is crossing over into the rock and roll world. Think about that. Think about the way you are accepting or complaining about two things that are pretty fucking equal. Just happening at different times with different sounds, but all coming from the same place and ending up on the same airwaves. But let's avoid that discussion for now. I don't want to do it. I do want to tell you that you could have heard this interview early, maybe a week ago, my conversation with Matt. I put it up on the Getting It Out Patreon for just $2 a month. You get early access to ad-free interviews. Right now, there are several up there for your enjoyment, including an interview with Nick Shins of Job for a Cowboy, James Lawler of Ghost, Drew Slavic of See You Next Tuesday. I'll have one up very soon with Chris X of Reptilian Records and Oystein Brun of Borknagar. That's a little something for everybody there. I just covered the gamut of all extreme music from noise rock to progressive black metal, technical death metal, and even dancey techno stuff, whatever Ghost is. Again, just $2 a month will get you access to that and a special little playlist I like to put up there only for the patrons. But how about less yammering, more jammering? I'm going to play you a song from my favorite Hatebreed record. The first song on it, it starts abruptly. You know what it is. Here's Proven by Hatebreed. Whoa, whoa. 
remember when I first discovered Hatebreed. And you didn't join the band until a few years after they were established. So I'm curious if you remember when you discovered Hatebreed. I discovered Hatebreed um, before I was in the band. They were making a lot of noise in this area. I'm still living. I'm from and still living in the area that's not too far from where they're from. I'm only an hour, hour and a half from from the Connecticut scene, if you will, you know? So even to this day, that's kind of the area we jam in. Um, yeah. You know, playing locally around here, they came, they started coming around here and playing shows at the chance in Poughkeepsie, which is now closed down, but that was like our club around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big deal because they were playing out of the area coming here and and their scene over there, man, it was, it was crazy. Anyway, it was wild. It was dangerous. It was rowdy. It was sick. Everything you want, you know, to be in, in, in the hardcore scene, I guess it closely mirrored the New York scene, which was scary shit for someone my age. And, uh, you know, at the time and coming up and you hear all the legendary stories and this, this band and this scene like mirrored that, which was pretty sick in its own way. Um, and yeah, man, they would come through. They didn't have a lot of material out until the victory record, you know, uh, and that, that's when it really busted open. And at that point they would come through and it, the shows would just be slammed. You know, it, w- it was like an event. So they were the band just in the Northeast, I think, in, in our scene, in the various scenes in the Northeast in general, that was making the most noise. So, yeah, I had known of them. And then you start the, the victory did a lot of promo behind them and everything. So you started seeing the name more and more and they were getting bigger tours and everything like that. So um, still van and trailer level at the time, right. but they were doing more than any band that I had ever heard of or anybody doing anything around here rather, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember them getting you guys, them, I guess before you, so them getting on my yeah. radar, Late nineties, I guess it would have been. I was just in Pennsylvania where I'm at right now. So not, not far off from where it's, where it was happening. Uh, of course, hearing about satisfaction and victory and all that. And so I go to the mall one day and walk into whatever the big chain store is. And I see two CDs there. There's under the knife and there's satisfaction. And I, you know, I don't, I, I know, I don't really know what hardcore is. I know what biohazard is. I know what, um, you know, I, I know things that are hardcore, but I just think it's all metal. Right. So I yeah. buy, I look at the saga, well, under the knife's only $6 or whatever it was. So I, <laughs> I buy it, I put it in my CD player and I'm like, what the fuck? What, this, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, it sounded just terrible. Cause the, just cause the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with, you know, a record that could, that you could buy in a store that would sound like that. And then later, of course, came around to it. But but my first introduction to Hatebreed was like, this, this, this is not good. Um, of course, came to love it. But uh, but by the time I by the time I was like, you know, convinced that all the way in, you were in the band, which you joined what early 2000s. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually in the band in 1998 for almost a year. Hmm. Um, I kind of stepped in. That was a time in the band's um uh, career where they they were switching out drummers a lot. It was a lot of fill-ins. I wouldn't say there was actual members. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was at the time, like, I guess one of the fill-ins for about a year. And uh, we did a lot of East coast stuff, a lot of Midwest stuff, did Canada shows in Canada. Um, and I ended up quitting right before they, it was a big tour right before they went out with motorhead and dropkick Murphy's. Mm. And then I came back to the band 
so that was what 99, I guess, uh, mid 99, May of 99, something like that. And yeah. I came back to the band in uh, the summer of 2001 when the band was on Ozfest. Hmm. Um, and it was Ozfest was running out. It was like end of July, beginning of August, somewhere in there. Uh, they had fired their drummer at the time and were looking just to get through the tour. That's really what it went down. I got a phone call one day. I hadn't, and it was on the answering machine. No voicemail. We're talking old school, like the wheels of the answering machine. A little tiny tape. Yeah. Yeah. A little tiny tape. I I probably still have the tape somewhere. I just have this random stuff, but, um, yeah, I got a, got a message one day from Jamie, like, Hey, we're on the Ozfest and, uh, we fired our drummer for whatever reason. And, uh, we're just looking, can you fill in? Uh, we'll, we'll fly you out. I think they were in Colorado at the time. We'll fly out, just get us through the end of the tour. You know, it's a huge tour. We're on Ozfest summer camp, man. It's like heavy metal summer camp. So, uh, that didn't end up working out really just waited until the band, I guess they, they found a fill in at the time, which was, uh, Teddy from E-Town Concrete because they were with them as well. And he got them through until they came back in the Northeast. And then, um, so I was, I just jumped back in when they were in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and, uh, finished out the Ozfest tour there. So, uh, it was fun because it was like, yeah, just, you know, play these shows. Management was looking at the band at the time. Universal Mm -hmm. Records was looking at the band at the time for the hometown shows in Connecticut. Like Mm -hmm. it was a big deal. So we just, we just have to fucking kill it. We just have to be a sick band and, and, uh, you know, just fill in and, 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 uh, thank you very much type of thing. And right. I, and from my standpoint, I was, I had jammed once I quit hate breed. Uh, I was in a band called all out war who are from my area here. Of course, yeah. Victory records band, right. Mm-hmm. They've been around a long, long time. Legendary, legendary band. So I got still around, still good. Still just put out. Still, going. still yeah. yeah. It's st- and they still put out great material. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I hooked up with them and I was touring with them. So I just jumped from one touring band to another. I was fortunate and, uh, great music, both bands. So I'd been touring with them and, uh, that kind of fizzled out for me too at the time. Cause, because all that wars had like times where they sure. kind of gone away yeah. and come back. So this was a time they were going away. So, uh, before all of this, I was going to school to be a special ed teacher up in Plattsburgh, New York. So I just jumped, I, I had left school, did some touring, played with various bands, got the experience, play, thought it was great. So um, I was going back to school. I said, I did my thing, you know, I'll, I'll never stop playing. But so I, so I was going back to school when I got that call, I was already signed up for school. So for me, I would, I was going away and back up there in the fall. So it was like, Oh, I'm going to cap the summer off playing some Ozfest gigs. This is great. You know, with a great band and sick crowds and everything. And then after that, it went, uh, the band got signed to Universal. So I had gone up to school. I'm just doing my thing. And hey, uh, okay, we're signed to Universal. You know, another phone call. You want to do the record. And that went into, you want to do some touring. And then that went into, I just had a conversation with Jamie. And we were just like, you know, hey, let's uh, let's do this again. I want to be in the band. I want. I don't, I don't want to be a fill-in. I want to be a band member. I want to be... Did that mean that meant quitting school? So I finished what I was doing in school mm-hmm. at the time was a, a small part of student teaching. And uh, I finished that up, left. We went in the studio, recorded Perseverance that same fall or whenever it was like Thanksgiving time. And uh, and that was it, man. We were off to the races. And that's 
So, I mean, the band was certainly off to the races. And to, to me, that's when like Hatebreed blows up. Right. And I, I remember it. I remember Perseverance. I remember the I Will Be Heard video. And I remember, you know, yeah. the, the the way it all happened. Like that's when I was entrenched in it all. And it, it seemed like a giant victory for the hardcore scene and everything. It was like, we, we got a band that's out there, like, you know, doing it big time because you talked about all the going to school and everything and how it kind of went straight into this. But have you ever had a nine to five job? Uh, yeah, kind of. I was a carpet warehouse guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, did I work for IBM or something? No, I've never had like a serious job like that. Uh, you know, yeah. my, my last serious job, I guess, um, was was, yeah, it was a carpet warehouse guy, flooring warehouse. That's um, so cool. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a cool no, job. No, I know. No, I mean that. I mean that. That's that's a, that's what your last job was. Like, and I and I say it like talking to other people that I know. Actually, some neighbors of mine are in some pretty successful metal bands, and and the same thing. I'm like, hey, by the way, have you ever worked? And they're like, you know what? I don't think I have. I've been doing. I've been playing metal my whole, you know, my whole life, and that's that's so cool. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm lucky. I think yeah. I think all of us are lucky in some way. L luck is a big part of. Uh, getting to a certain point for any band and and even after that being around for uh for us as long as we have this is our 30 year anniversary of being a band so i can fondly look back and say i've been a part of it for 24 25 26 years right you know solid um who would have thought man that that's all i say i mean the band just for myself personally mm -hmm. um because you start to use the word career you right. know at what mark do you start? I always just looked at music as fun and it was mm -hmm. enjoyment and playing and learning to play and playing with different people and different styles of music and stuff. Uh, you take it serious up to a point, but really just never let it lose the fun side. If it gets sure. too serious, it's just not fun anymore. Right. So I just always kept that like it's fun. Music is always fun. So here we are 20 something years later and people say, oh, you have a career. And I'm like, a career in music. Wow. I never thought about that. But yeah, here we are, all of us, uh, you know, 30 years as a band. Who would have thought you, you could say you had a career in music? And and it, it, I'm lucky. I'm very yeah, lucky. Yeah. That's a big part of it. And I'm grateful. Because um, like I said, you know, uh, you never know, man. You never know how long you're going to stick around. You start playing with friends or you're onto something. You start touring, van and trailer. You're in a station wagon, whatever. And, you, and if you're lucky enough to work your way up um, and then you're on a bus, holy shit, that's a huge deal. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're next thing you know, we're on tours with Ozzy and uh, we're playing in Europe with um, with Slayer and Motley Crue on these huge festivals and stuff like that. And like, holy shit, who would have thought? I was going to school to be a teacher. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, a, a part of it for anybody, you know, name any band and trail back whatever they were doing before up to now. And if they've been fortunate enough to be around 10, 20, 30 years, a good part portion of it is luck and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and gratitude. Um, that's all I got to say. <laughs> right. But I'm sure, but I'm sure, you know, uh, the equal helpings, if not more of, uh, of dedication and, um, will and you know drive that got you guys oh here. Like yeah I got, yeah i gotta imagine there was a, absolutely there was at least uh some of the success was anticipated being that you were on universal you're doing Ozfest. like it didn't seem like a foolish bet to try to do this thing right not at all i'm and i i 
I think what I was expressing through all that is just the gratitude to be sure. here and yeah. been doing this for so long. But yeah, no, the other side of the coin is a lot of sacrifice, a lot of drive, um, a lot of not giving up. Um, you know, plenty of doors have been slammed in our face. Um, and we haven't gotten some opportunities over the years, maybe that other bands have just because of the name alone. So you right, have that yeah. working against you for maybe some of the larger TV gigs and stuff like that. So you, so you ultimately have to take a left turn when everybody else is going right. And that's what we've always done too. We just keep driving. We kick open any doors that were closed to us and just, you know, kind of go a different route and make it work for us. And it's always been that way. I mean, early days, even when we were on a bus, van and trailer, all of it, we were doing over 300 shows a year. That's an incredible sacrifice for an everyday person, not for a touring person. Not a lot of people can hack that. That's where you're making your bones, you know, and and playing some incredible shows and really building up the fan base, the loyal fan base that we have now, which is incredible. I mean, we're at the point now where fans from back then are bringing their kids. Mm -hmm. So it's being passed on to another generation. And that's incredible, you know, to to that influence and, and, um, and, uh, you know, just to see that happen, more enjoyment for your music coming from another generation and everything. So, yeah, I mean, that wouldn't happen if we weren't doing over 300 shows a year for three, four years straight, missing all the holidays and and just playing wherever we can play from basements to House of Blues or uh, a support slot in an arena with Slayer or something, you know, and um, really just turning heads and creating this loyal fan base that's still with us today. Yeah. And I can tell you, I, I would be one of those people bringing my kids to a hate breed show now too. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's funny when you say it to think about it, like, oh yeah, I guess, guess, <laughs> I guess we're all doing that. Um, and you know, I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine recently and he was, there was a big show down here, um, near Reading, Pennsylvania, maybe at reverb. I forget who was playing. It was like, uh, it was like Madball and H2O and it was, it was something recent. And I was like, my kids are just about the age where, not only am I got, I don't, I don't need to bring them anymore. They're almost old enough where I can just leave them at home. Like, I don't mean, I don't hold on. Let me rephrase it. Not like, I'll they're be way back past later. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, they're way, they're past that. I just mean like that they don't need to be taken care of all the time that I could like reintegrate myself back into the thing. My point being that it's funny to, to while we're doing it, whether it's from a fan perspective or from a band perspective, I don't know. It seems like it's taking so long, but then you look and suddenly all these years have passed to, to your point. You guys are celebrating 30 ish years now as a band, right? Yeah. And this is part the of the year. thing, this is the anniversary year. This is the, this the is. so, uh, so 94, 94. Is, is my math, right? Yeah. That's pretty good. Officially. Yeah. It was 94, uh, recordings and whatnot started happening in 95, but the band was formed in 94. I think played the first show November, 1994. Well, I know one of the big things that you're doing to celebrate that is the uh, the the home state show in um, in Connecticut by the announcement. And it's saying two stages and only the amount of bands that was announced so far. Shadows Fall, 100 Demons with Honor, Eyes of the Living or something off the top of my head. I assume there's more announcements coming from that. Tell me about the idea to start celebrating the 30th anniversary birthday, whatever you want to call it, in Connecticut. Well, we knew... Uh... We knew with this celebratory milestone that we wanted to step up our show a bit and give the fans, you know, make it a real celebration. So we were talking about a larger production, um, more lights, maybe some fire, maybe some different stage stuff going on. 
Um, and we, we decided to do the undertaking of, uh, playing to possibly the biggest crowd we've ever played, the biggest venue we've ever played in, in the hometown, uh, state of Connecticut. I mean, the Oakdale, there's three rooms there. I think, you know, it's a pretty big complex, maybe four, you, you go from the small room to the midsize room to the biggest room. And, and, uh, I think the original plan was maybe test the waters mid-level, but once we put tickets on sale, uh, in a day, we had sold, I think over a thousand tickets. So it would have been bumped up to the large room anyway. So here we are, we're in the large room. I think it's a 3,400 cap room. Uh, we're really going for it. We have some surprises. I'm not going to spoil here. Yeah, don't, (laughs) um, you know, set list wise and, and other just special things going on that night. Um, Mm -hmm. that'll be very cool for, for the, for the loyal fans, you know, especially the hometown fans. Um, it's always fun playing Connecticut. It's wild. It's rowdy. It's like a homecoming uh, familiar faces you haven't seen in a long, long time. So, uh, so that was it really. The the concept was doing something that'll step up our game for the, for the hometown folks. Right. Right. What's the, there's a, I should know it. There's a, there's a metal, what is it? Metal is a matinee metal something in my mess. Yeah. Metal matinee. Uh, that's something else. Like when we, we played the chance in Poughkeepsie here back in October because the club was closing down. So we were fortunate yeah. enough to do the, we booked the very last show. You closed last it, right? Day. Yeah. 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 And then that one sold out in a record like three hours. So we went going backwards on their schedule. We booked another show there and that one sold out within the week. So, um, doing that, that Sunday show, that last very last show would have been on a Sunday. So we said, well, let's make it easy for everyone. Uh, two bands, keep it simple. And it'll be a matinee doors open at like, you know, four o'clock or something or three o'clock. We're on stage no later than eight people go home. They could still watch football. Or you know, it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. 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 It's perfect. So same concept applies to this show too. <laughs> um, it's St. Patrick's day. It's a holiday. It's our guitar player, Wayne's 50th birthday, uh, plenty of milestones going on and just celebratory things happening. So, and it, you know, it's a perfect setting to have a huge show like that. Have it a matinee, nice and early. Cool. Everyone's gonna doors yeah. are at twelve. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 12 noon, so. Dude, that's, I mean, yeah, what's better than a matinee now? That I, I always say, if you could make every show, like, done by nine, uh, we go to so many more. You know, you know what I mean? If yeah. you could, if, like, you could guarantee me that I could get home and get in bed by 10 o'clock, that yeah. I'd be there. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's also revisiting something I think that went away. I mean, back in the day, hardcore matinee was a thing every Sunday, you know, um, various clubs, the anthrax, 
you know, in Connecticut. That was a big one. They do them in New York City. And, uh, you know, I guess they went away or they weren't as common. So we're kind of revisiting that um, that that lost thing, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw there there's a potentially a date in like a year from now in Jersey with this concept too, which is, which is very cool. Reminds me of some things from the past from about 20 years ago. Um, but I, you brought up the playing the chance in Poughkeepsie, which those, sh- those shows I was really interested in. Cause what, well, all that war was on one, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And another band that I'm very fond of, of people that I like very much sick Bay, I think was on one of those and uh, maybe internal bleeding. And I'm probably forgetting one person, but yes, I also saw you did the four dates. I think it was four in long Island, right? Yeah, that's the most recent thing we did. So that was what we did to start off the year, 30 years uh, anniversary. Right. Okay, so well, I guess that's kind of what I was getting to is that like you have, it's like these residency style weekenders, whatever you want to call them. Is that something you anticipate doing a lot going forward? Well, Long Island went off without a hitch. It was great. Really yeah. a super small club. Once again, it, it was kind of like the Amityville uh, Music Hall. They're closing down as well to do some mm-hmm. renovations. They're going to be gotcha. open again. They're expanding the room, larger capacity. So that's how they trick Hatebreed into playing. Your, yeah, they listen. <laughs> the, say, say you're closing down. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. If you want to close a club down, book us and we'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, small club. I think it holds 250 people. So um, we, we figured we'd do three shows, a residency, put them up for sale. And another thing, we sold the tickets directly through our website. So there's no uh, extra fees or scalpers can't grab them and jack up the prices and all that stuff. We wanted everything to be super easy and safe. So first three nights, I think, sold out in a half an hour. Mm. So we said, oh, shit, same concept. We got to add another night. So we uh, we added Sunday matinee. So we had uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday booked. So we we added uh, we added the Sunday, I believe. And we had Paint of Truth playing. Great new band. Mm, yeah. And, um, and, uh, yeah, matinee, it was attractive. That show sold out in six minutes. Jesus. <laughs> so we said, Oh yeah, we got something good. We could have added another show, but we just didn't want to press our luck. You know, we probably could have done the entire week there, honestly, because right. the shows were so fun. Everyone was all about it. There was people attending all, or if not at least three, three of the shows, like, a lot of familiar faces. Everybody had a good time. No fights, no bullshit, no cops, no ambulances. It was just straight up. Everyone taking care of each other. It was a good time. Every show. Yeah. So the concept going off like it did, it, it, you're like, hmm, I think we're onto something here. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we do have some plans, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see more of that rolling out throughout the year in different areas. We'll see. That's very cool. I like that. I like that idea. And so, you know, I like the idea that um, that people can. I know it's not a new concept to do residency style, you know, weekends or whatever, but I, I just like the concept of changing touring, especially if you've been doing it for 30 fucking years, why not just say, hey, we're going to do it a little differently this time around. And even like, there's been small adjustments that I've seen other bands make like a couple of years ago when machine had started saying, fuck it, we're just doing it ourselves and we're playing for like three hours, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. It was just like, Hey, all right, a little ridiculous, but I'm in, you know, I, I want to see that at least once, you know, living by your own rules, really. You're making yeah. your own rules yeah. as you go. And it's a different, like, you know, when you're playing Long Island, it's such a small club. Not that we don't play small places anymore, but um, because we we still pretty much play anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it was kind of bringing us back to our roots, too. No barricade, small club, a lot of crowd surfing and head walking and all the all the crazy stuff that, you know, comes with a hardcore show. Right. So it was like, in a way, it it was revisiting our roots. Mm -hmm. 
How do you feel about that now? Watching the violence of a hardcore show. Like I, I think my, I've asked, I asked actually asked uh, Mike score this when I talked to him about it too. Like when people were out there just demolishing each other, has that changed for you at all? As you've gotten older, what you, how you feel about that? Well, Mike's 10 times more well-spoken than I am. So it's a job to be (laughs) (laughs) well-spoken. He probably had a wonderful answer for this question. Uh, (laughs) Has it changed? Well, I have the best seat in the house, so I can see it all go down. Um, I definitely think from, you know, years ago to now, it's definitely a lot more violent. This crowd killing thing has become a thing over the last bunch of years. That was never a thing when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, moshing was moshing, whether it be the karate kicking and swinging the arms and everything, picking up change or just push moshing like you would do at a Slayer show or at Lemoore's back in the day. I mean, it's uh, it's all there. But when you if you're someone who's specifically there to just kick the shit out of someone while the band's playing, I mean, that's just ridiculous, whether it be years ago or now. Right. But 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 in general, yeah, I think like it's just more violent now. I still think the crowd self-regulates you know Mm -hmm. you see an asshole in there they're going to get rid of him or he's going to get stopped or thrown out or something like it don't even the crowd killing thing only goes to a certain point where it's like get this asshole out of here all of it though i mean not that i condone any of it but when you have the best seat in the house and you see people going absolutely (laughs) crazy to your music it just makes you more amped up so um it's been like that since day one for me. It's still like that. When I see the crowd going crazy, no matter what arms flying all over the place, people running off the side of the stage, jumping into the crowd. I don't want anybody to get hurt. No one wants that at all, but it's pretty awesome to see just people reacting like that to the music and just going crazy in general. I agree. I, I do it now at my age. No, <laughs> yeah, hell no, 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 no. Yeah, we're good. Um, uh, it reminds me of a couple of years ago, uh, integrity was playing here in, Lancaster and they're playing at the community club. My wife and I went and uh, she was just, she's never seen anything like it, <laughs> you know, and just people kill. And she was just mortified of like the violence of, and I, I was like, no, but you got to understand everybody's having a good time, you know, like, and I know it's a, you know, it's kind of a cliche thing to go down that whole explanation, but it it is interesting how it can still be a thrilling thing to watch. Um, as long as it's like consensual, right. As long as everybody's yeah. in it, the same level. Like I said, you don't want anyone to get hurt purposely, but I mean, even back in the day when someone would have come out of the mosh pit with a busted nose, they were like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, really? Okay, man. Hey, that's how it sure. is. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it is. Well, speaking of you, you brought up having the best seat in the house and that's something I wanted to talk to you about. Something I like to ask drummers about because you guys are up on your, what do you call a perch? Your, what's the word? You're on the, you're on the throne on the riser. That's the riser yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Is there a single most memorable thing that you have seen visually from that vantage point throughout your time in Haybreed? A couple come to mind right off the bat. Uh, playing a festival in Europe. Might have been Download. Might have been with Full Force. Uh, they were crowd surfing a dumpster. A straight up <laughs> green plastic huge dumpster. Must have been. Going across the crowd. <laughs> it's been a strong crowd. That's that's pretty good. There's pictures of it. It's online. Yeah. The green dumpster. Um, but yeah, there's been plenty of guys who are, uh, you know, fans in wheelchairs that are hoisted above mm-hmm. the crowd. Yeah. Um, nine times out of 10, they, they remain in the wheelchair. 
But then there's some that where the wheelchair started going in this direction and the guy was going in this direction and he was well taken care of. It's fine, but it's pretty wild to see. Yeah. Um, I've definitely been hitting the thing, things thrown on stage. Uh, you know, glasses, somebody can't see right now because they lost their glasses, hit me right in the chest. I've seen fake uh, prosthetic limbs thrown up on stage, <laughs> uh, things like that, you know, uh, pretty wild. Those are the things you won't forget. Cause you always wonder what happened to that thing. Did the guy get it right. back? I don't know. Yeah. Prosthetic. That's a big deal. That's prosthetic. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have some problems. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, those are the ones that come right to mind. Yeah. I, like I said, I imagine you've got, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how, what's your, what's your vantage point actually is how much is blocked by the drums, by the people, but it sounds like, uh, sounds like you've seen a lot and over, over uh, 25 years or whatever, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Those are the crazier things. Well, I think one of the more thrilling things was, and we've done this on plenty of festivals, the Ozfest. we've done it, uh, in, in Europe. Um, Jamie gets the crowd circle pitting around the soundboard. We've mm. done it in clubs and we've done it in the open air setting. Does that work on the East coast? Cause you know, we don't like the circle pit over here. <laughs> Oh, we do, man. <laughs> no, no doubt. No. The thing with East Coast people is I think they trip over themselves more. Like, the <laughs> yeah, that's probably have yeah. it down. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably uh, right about that. But um, yeah, that's that's a, that's always thrilling to see because when when you have like in the festival setting, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand people doing it at once. I know the people up in the sound booth are shitting their pants and the light <laughs> got shitting their pants because you're just creating this whirlpool of people. But uh, it's great to see where I'm at, my vantage point, because there's just creates this huge opening in the crowd. And it's just a churning circle of running people. It's wild to see. It's awesome. That's very cool. I'm sure you've seen a bunch of stuff. Is there anything left on like your personal, I don't know, band bucket list, something that you want to do with Hapery that you haven't had the opportunity to do yet? The obvious answer is tour with Metallica. Mm, yeah. I done festivals with them but we never did an official tour. Uh, never been asked to like have an opening slot. That would be sick. That would be dream come true because I'm a thrash metal guy that I'm a, I'm a metal guy first and foremost anyway. So uh, those are all the bands like a lot of other people. Those are all the bands that I listened to and learned to play my instrument on. And, you know, I was a freaking thrasher, man, metalhead, headbanger. Right. So, and I've been lucky enough to tour with all the other bands that, created that genre of music and came from cut from that cloth, Megadeth, uh, Slayer, um, Exodus, Testament, all of them. But Metallica is like the, the whale, the big fish. If we could just like properly do a tour with them, that would be, there's nothing else to do. I think um, we could always hate breed. I mean, we could always do an acoustic album. That's something <laughs> way outside the box for us. Uh, I'm sure we could pull it off. <laughs> I would, I would like to hear it. I would I just, even if it's once, I would like to hear it. I'm sure we can pull it off. You never know. I mean, there's plenty of, plenty of things left in the bag of tricks. I think that would be pretty cool. It'd be very different. Hopefully people would like it. If anything, it would just be a, a good keepsake. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I never even, that never even kept cross my mind to imagine an unplugged tape read in the, with the candles, you guys could, you know, make it look yeah. to a, do a fucking VHS or whatever, you know, whatever people are buying <laughs> these days. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, your, your last, your last record uh, came out like mid pandemic, right? 2020. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, and, but that, that album I thought was a lot more uh, dynamic. You definitely, you know, hate breeds always done this like 
what I consider like a, a slow, really slow evolution that I actually really appreciate. Um, it always sounds like hate breed, but there's like, there was more going on, 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 on the last record. And there's one song that I noticed that there's a lot of you going on and that's yeah. the herd will scatter. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm just curious going forward, do we get any more songs? Are you working on anything new that's featuring heavily, heavily featuring you like that track? Uh, nothing as of right now. We've talked about this year, maybe delving into some new material. Um, we'll see. I feel like we're usually good. The, the pattern for us is we usually start working on music at the end of the year. We start demoing stuff and that takes us into the new year. And by like, you know, the first quarter, the record's ready to go. Yeah. Um, it's been the pattern for the last two or three records. So we'll see what brings. I assume it would be the same because I, I know we're going to be pretty busy doing some random stuff. So we'll see if the schedule holds like that, where we start working on new stuff probably later in the year. Um, Hey, I'm ready, man. I'm all about the drum heavy tunes. I, I, the evolution from, from under, well, under the night, more satisfaction to Mm -hmm. uh, way to the fall self, our last album, everything has evolved, you know? And like you said, like the band as a whole, we've taken more chances. If anything, we've gone from hardcore and way more into metal. Yeah. You know, cross way over. We cr- we're a crossover band. Yeah, we crossed over. We're a metal band. We've, we've taken <laughs> yes. a lot of chances with the metal. Um, slowly stretched our legs with more guitar solos and even some melodic stuff here and there. We had an instrumental mm-hmm. track on a record two or three records ago. Um, a lot of drum heavy stuff like that. Yeah, that song specifically, the herd will, will scatter. I mean, it starts off with a drum solo, right? Yeah. Cool. Yes. You know, right away. Just trying different stuff. So uh, I'm all about it, you know, because we never lose the identity of hate breed, but we still delve into these small little worlds. We we take chances. We take enough chances where yeah. we're not turning our backs on our fans and what they come to know and love from us. But as musicians and as the natural evolution of the band, we're still doing different stuff. We're still growing. You you mentioned something interesting there about how you know crossing over into being a metal band and someone like myself who came from well. Ended up living in the hardcore world for a long time. It's always been like frustrating to me about how the hardcore scene has tried to keep hate breed to themselves. <laughs> like, you know, it's like a crabs in a pot thing. Like, no, just stop it. You get back down. You belong with us. You can't go do this thing. When, but I feel like you guys have fulfilled your obligation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you've, you've come back, you've played. It's like when LeBron James went back to Cleveland and won the NBA title. You've, you've come back, you've played all the festivals, you've done all the things. And uh, it's, it's just, it's been a weird thing that frustrates me with the hardcore scene that they will not let you hate just be this big metal band that you've become. Yeah. I mean, we did, this is hardcore for the first time last year. Yeah. And that's the biggest hardcore festival, I think, in America, right? Definitely. I'd agree. Yes. I mean, it's been around a long time. Um, every band you can think of has played it. And we, we were like one of the ones that hadn't. So when we finally did, it was nuts. It was mayhem. Um, not a lot of people folding their arms or turning their backs on us, you know, we <laughs> still appreciated everything. And, and we gave them an old school set. We gave them all the old stuff. Um, that's more hardcore tinged anyway. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's not just with us. I think the hardcore world, world in general, it, it covets their, their bands as they grow up. They, they don't, they don't want to see them bust through the ceiling and go on to other stuff and delve into different worlds. 
Um, you know, I, I guess it's like the parents that when the kid's ready to go off to college, they're, they don't want to see the, the kid leave the house. You know? <laughs> no, don't leave us. Empty nest syndrome. Yeah. But to the child's detriment, you know, you want to. Yeah. 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 So you, you always want to see a, a band evolve and grow uh, so long as they're doing it well. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, not turning their back on what made them. Right. Which we never have. We never have. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't really know how to answer that. Well, I don't even know if I asked a question. I was just saying, you know, it's just an ob- yeah, it was just observation. <laughs> Maybe something I wanted people to hear from me to them, like, <laughs> stop it, let them go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's an been, observation, it's, but um, it's, it's been, it's been like a joy for me to watch a band. Like you got a band who, like I still told you right when we started that when I first heard Hatebreed, I thought there's no way this, anybody thinks this is good. And then by the end of it, you know, I came along and was like, I fucking love this stuff. Uh, I remember going to see you guys on my specifically on my 21st birthday. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, like, and it's, it's cool that a band like so heavy and violent, whatever you want to call it has has become so important for people. Right. Cause there's very, I mean, any band, I guess can become that way, but like I have solid lifelong memories with friends of mine that are based around Hatebreed in a way. And that's, uh, that's, a, that's a super cool thing. Yeah. It's amazing. I think that goes, I mean, the longevity we've been around a while. I didn't know if we'd be from when I got in the band. I mean, how, like I said, how many years are you going to be around? You know, there, everyone talks about the, the VH1 story of like the hair metal bands where, one day Nirvana came out and it was over for everybody. I mean, that that wouldn't necessarily apply to us. I feel like we're more of a lifestyle band. And as I said, our fans are loyal and and we're, we're more along the lines of a slayer than a a air metal band for sure. But music can change and and it it ebbs and what's that? Then warrant. Yeah. I think there's, there's there's some fucking story where I forget what record label it is, where there was a warrant poster and the next day it was Alice in Chains. And I forget, you you know what I'm talking about? It's it's something that's commonly referred to. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But point being like the music world does a lot of this and it it could change. And and, uh, like I said, I'm just grateful to be here for, for 30 years, 20, 25 years in, in doing it. And, and, um, you know, being part of this juggernaut that really just we've kind of made our own way and we, we've created longevity and, and to still be around where, yeah, it's different generations now coming in to 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 see us. And, and you, you, people are telling stories about the first time that they saw us or this crazy story that happened in the pit, like they're passing down stories of throughout the career of the band. And uh, that's how that's also what keeps you around because everyone has, as the story gets passed down, like it's like historic, you know, and that, and that keeps you relevant and it keeps you, um, you hold a special place with people. Um, yeah, it's hard to put into words how how you feel about that. Like what an impact you've made. You never realized it. You're just out there doing your thing and the drive and you're just doing what you do and joyful to play music. And here you are, you're a little older and, you hear stories like that. This is what the band means to me. Can I talk to you for a minute? This mm-hmm. is what I remember when I heard this record and I was going through this, this terrible time in my life and your songs got me through. Thanks for being cool. Thanks for allowing me to talk to you. You weren't an asshole. You didn't just walk away or something, you know, yeah. um, grateful people. And it makes you grateful because now here we are. And I'm like, man, we've been around a long time. And, and you're hearing that more and more. Uh, stories like that or meaningful stories from your fans. It's just, it's just a great thing. Just a great thing. It 
hopefully we're around for 30 more. <laughs> yes. Well, a, a fun question I like to ask pe- people, and it's not so fun to answer, I don't think. It, so it's really unfair of me, but I, I like to ask, what could you imagine stopping Hapri? Oh, somebody passing away. Tragedy, right? Like, Tragedy. And, 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 yeah. and uh, typically I wouldn't accept that answer from somebody, but with Hapreed, I will, because of what you guys, you know, the, like, because of the, the machine that you have, the band has become like it, you know, it's other bands, you know, are, are uh, more fragile, it seems, but Hapreed doesn't, I don't get that sense from Hapreed at all. Nothing about the band, your history says that it would, that something small could stop you guys. No, we've had plenty of obstacles thrown in front of us over the years and we've overcome. Mm-hmm whether it be bad press or stupid accusations about stupid things. I won't even talk about that. People probably know what I'm talking about. Stupid right. things like that, that could really derail a band's career overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what keeps you going? The loyal fan base, loyal fan base that can see through the bullshit, whether you're going to try to create some music that isn't what you guys are, or just what other people are talking shit about you guys. And they're like, nah, that's not that band. It's our band. We know what they're all about. Uh, and that's what keeps you around. But yeah, I, it, yeah, I think straight up, it'd be some kind of tr- uh, tragic thing that that's the only thing that would derail this band. I haven't asked anybody this question in a while, but I feel like now is probably a good time to bring it back. I'd like to know how often you wash your legs. Like, <laughs> how often do you think you wash your legs often daily? What do you, are you a daily leg wash washer? Uh, nobody's ever asked me that before ever yeah. when I'm in the shower. Yeah. Uh, are you relying on runoff or are you, are you actually washing your legs? Like you're talking about full on scrub going That's right. top of the feet, coming up the legs, back of the legs, getting it all covered. Yeah. Three times a week. That's pretty good. That's pre- pretty I think good. most people don't at all. So that's, that's good. As well, I'm doing it too. What's always in my head, if you're using the loofah or whatever, it's like, oh, that all that dead skin, I got to get it off. That's what this thing's for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, that's good. That's it. That's the last thing I need to know, Matt. And uh, uh, great way to you. cap it off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Hatebreed drummer Matt Byrne. The song you just heard was one we talked about. It's The Herd Will Scatter. That's off of their last album, The Weight of the False Self, which came out a couple of years ago. So it's available now everywhere. I want to thank Matt for his graciousness, for his time, for his humor, for his conversation. The same as I want to thank you for listening this far into the podcast, whether you're a new listener, old listener, or just here for the first time or never planned to come back. I appreciate your time with me here as time is truly our most valuable currency. And I don't say that with any corniness at all. I mean that. Thanks. Regardless of your designation in the list that I just mentioned, I want to suggest that you head over to gettingitout.net. Check out what's going on over there. It's Friday. There's a fresh new list of releases that came out today. My favorite of which are going to be the See You Next Tuesday remix album. It's called Relapses. If you want to hear more about that, I got that conversation with Drew Slavic over on the Patreon right now for you to check out. There's also a new one from Baron Womb which is our Norwegian noise rock band that I suggest you check out. There's a UK hardcore band called No Relief that put out a new record today. There's another band from UK called Shooting Daggers that I suggest checking out. The Obsessed Scott Wino Weinrich is back with a new album called Gilded Sorrow. Bocasa has a new one called All Out Dreams. Circles, a great melodic hardcore band. You might call it post-hardcore. They just put out a new record called Still. It's on Extinction Burst Records. I've got that already in my possession and I'm stoked on it. Mr. Bison has a new one called Echoes from the Universe out on Heavy Psych Sounds. If you like Hatebreed, you might like the new one from Slug. There's a new one from Sundrifter on Small Stone Records called An Earlier Time. That's Stoner Rock if you like that stuff. Man, there's a ton of stuff. Stellar Remains, Death Metal, Acrid Death. Anyway, there's a ton of new records you can check out today, tomorrow, whenever you listen to this. And you can do that by going over to gettingitout.net. Look for the this week's new releases post and just fly through that list. While you're there, please check out old episodes of Getting It Out podcast and maybe click on an ad or two. Why not? You know, live a little. Check out some band pages. Here's one to check out. I got a song I'm going to play you from a new band out of Florida called Fixed View. Yeah, they're a hardcore band and their new LPRs to keep is coming out March 22nd on Rest Assured Records. They've got a new single. It's called Pride featuring another band, Domain. And hey, you know what? Just like that track I played for you earlier, Proven, starts abruptly. This one does too. So I'm going to start abruptly with Pride and then this episode is going to be over and we can all thank Jacksonville's fixed view for walking us out. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Europe's needed most. 